No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Don't make a bit of sense to me. If that's what being crazy is, then I'm senseless, out of it, gone down the road, wacko. But no more, no less. Welcome to Unhinged, episode 30, recorded October 23rd, 2016. Or as I like to call it, Walking Dead Season 7 Premiere Day. <laughs> I know you're not a big fan of the show, but I am. I'm excited. Yeah. But 30 episodes. Yeah. We're 30 episodes uh, in. A lot of dedication. It's a lot of heavy lifting, I'll tell you. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to thank you for, um, you know, being able to do the show. Uh, and uh, I know you're, you're struggling still. Uh, but you're powering through, and and I appreciate that. Well, I mean, not like the, I mean, it's really just show about my pathetic life. So it's uh, I appreciate you saying that. It's you know, it's I don't know. It's it, obviously it's something. It's a commitment thing for me, and mm -hmm. hopefully, ultimately therapeutic. Although, I mean, my whole way of doing it is being an open book. You know, it's. Uh, there's it's tough also i mean you have to you have to live with this and then you have to tell the doctors about it and then you have to now say it on the show and just kind of like there's no uh there's no mystery it's like yeah. yes it's that pathetic folks i, I still think that um you know you got to look at it from uh from a different point of view because no the the, the accomplishment is that they get to see reality, the both sides of this thing, mm -hmm. and 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 they can feel empathy and say, "Oh, he's a nice guy. Should he have to go through that crap?" Right. So it's it's a awareness advocacy. It's you know it works. It's just it's not that easy being the subject and right. And I've always been the victim and the patient and whatever, and I just don't want that anymore. Quite the opposite. But this is, yeah. I guess, a means to an end. It's just worth doing it. Yeah, and you you recently realized how fragile um, it is when you're when you're feeling good, how fragile that state can be. Uh, any little uh, external factor could bring you right back down again. So, uh, so we have to be careful. Uh, we have to tread lightly. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. My my emotion center, amygdala, is always going to be hypersensitive. Yeah. Um, it's controlled somewhat now by the electricity but it's always going to be you know where you know i have much more of a sort of a propensity for fear and anxiety and have to retrain my thinking mm -hmm. to at least suppress that instead of popping pills and um you know so yeah you have to tread lightly and, and um you know you just it should just be a pop but you know, again going through so many years of this you learn perspective and not to take anything for granted and yeah um, so, you know, uh, but we'll see. It's still, uh, still rough. I'm still sort of in a, a you know, moderate level right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, moderate, I don't want to say moderate to severe, it's, but on the, on the high thing. side of moderate, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, people have been following the show for a while. I could say I would probably score a, a 20 on the test, you know, on the yeah. MD. For example or something so right. it's uh you know it's not being in the hole 
but um, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's sometimes hard to to be in the right in the middle. Uh, you know, shit, I get off the pot kind of thing. You know? Well, it's challenging because when you feel good, you feel like you can take over the world, like you can you know do anything. And that's where you open yourself up to vulnerability because you you think, oh, I'm great now, everything's awesome, I can do all this stuff, and then you take on too much, and yeah, well, and that could have an adverse effect. I'm just learning that, you know, and and um, it, it's you know it makes again I I can tell now what you know what the external factors are, the triggers, and I yep. can go in to the doctors and they can at least concur. You yeah. know, they've obviously, you know, they definitely said, yeah, you're, you got to slow it down and, you know, yep. it's, it's this, just a long, you know, process, but this is so new that, uh, you know, you have to be patient and right. not, not let those, you know, the, the real bit down severe moments, uh, take you completely out of the game as it does. So right. It's hard. But you're learning more about your triggers and about the um how fragile the state is and all that so that's that's all good data to have uh it, it'll help you uh make better Hopefully decisions long term. yeah 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 it's just it, it's just it, it's um it's hard because no matter what when you're in the throes um all that is gone it's yeah just, it goes out the window chain yeah yeah it's it's that relentless uh seems mindless you know mm -hmm. but it's it just it just it, you're just incapable you know it's yeah but I, I mean if you don't have a video card you can't have video you know right. i mean yeah so it's they're just essential parts right so it's it's uh we'll see i hope uh just keep learning and keep advancing and exactly and yeah we'll see what happens yep well, we're not going to spend the whole show talking about you. Um, <laughs> no. Yes, we do have a special guest today. Uh, a great friend of mine, uh, a great guy. Um, I met him at uh, a little bit of uh, our work situation seven years ago. Uh, but we sort of uh, just became fast friends. And he's the Charles Oakley to my spud web. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the original Eminem. Matt Maloney. Thanks for being here, Matt. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Ed. So Matt's going to talk to us about a topic that we haven't actually covered yet on the show, and that's autism and Asperger syndrome. Well, I thought we'd get into it because, um, you know, this has all been renamed now. It's, it's uh, the Asperger, uh, sorry, the autism spectrum disorder is mm -hmm. what it all, all these five diseases fall into and ADD is one of them. And, uh, uh, Matt's son has uh, Asperger's and, uh, very high functioning. And, um, so he's got a unique perspective. And also, you know, when we sat down and talked after all these years, he's got a unique perspective on sort of, you know, when we were hanging out because, um, I also was half there, uh, and we had quite an interesting work dynamic. So, I was curious to ask him as I asked him the other, you know, that other day, but, but, you know, when we first met, what was his first impression and, uh, was I just an awesome actor or did he see signs of is something's not all there? 
Well, it's, it's funny, Doug, because when, uh, before we started recording the, the podcast today, Ed and I were chatting, um, when you had, uh, you had logged off there for a minute. And I think that Ed and I kind of share the same perspective on, you know, kind of the, the Doug that we knew and the Doug that we thought we knew more than anything else. Um, it's funny when, um, when I first met Doug, um, I guess you had just moved to Toronto. I think it was, um, maybe Pretty a little much, while yeah. before. Yeah. And really when, when I look back on the time that, that we kind of spent together working in this, you know, uh, technical recruiting, uh, boiler room, if you will, um, obviously the dynamic for you would have been, I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like knowing now what you've been suffering from, because at the time it, I didn't even put two and two together. The, the way that you disguised your thoughts and your feelings and, you know, how you were able to come into work, um, for a period, uh, as I was saying to Ed earlier today, you know, there was a period where, um, you know, you were completely functioning at a, what I would, you know, a quote unquote normal level. And then after, you know, a period of time that started to disintegrate, but still, you know, I, I really, when I first met you, I didn't have any idea that you were suffering from any form of mental illness at all. Um, in fact, I, I thought that you were a, a pretty, you know, well together, put together guy. Um, you know, you were funny as hell. Um, you know, and, and it was, I think a lot of the, you know, and, and I know that you guys in your podcast have talked a lot about just, you know, uh, comedians in general and, and, you know, a lot of the, you know, suffering that goes on behind the scenes. And, and I guess that a lot of your, your battle was being masked with humor and comedy, but I'll tell you, like for the rest of us that were working and, and, you know, when I, I, I'm not sure whether your listeners are going to know what I, what the, that boiler room reference is, but it's really, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, taking calls, making calls, making, you know, a hundred plus phone calls a day, um, trying to place, um, candidates into jobs. And it was, you know, we were working for, um, you know, just the, uh, the worst boss that you could imagine. Um, <laughs> it was, it was an awful environment and Doug's humor, you know, kind of kept everyone together and kept everyone going. And I don't even know whether Doug remembers any of this now, but it was, it was something that kept us all together and we never saw a thing. We literally thought that you were just, you know, Doug, the normal, you know, the normal guy who everyone thought was, you know, this hilarious, hilarious guy. Uh, that's and that's uh, Oscar-winning performance, I must say. Um, <laughs> and it's you, you, that's what happens when you when you grow up with these things not known about and um, not being treated, uh, not having uh, hands-on parents, and so you you know it's you sink or swim. You know you you've learned to adapt, you know, in other ways. But unfortunately, it runs out, as we've seen with many a comedian specifically mm -hmm. you know it just uh sure. but sure you can't help but like them you know because all they want to do is be liked so they're gonna they're gonna they're clown over clowns you know you just do dancing and dance whatever love me love me 
James Carey is a perfect example, but he's, you know, suffers from the same disease, you know, real severe depression. It goes, the names go on and on and on. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, it's funny because, um, as you know, it took me, Did I say James Carey. Yeah. Jim yeah, Carrey. <laughs> um, it, it took me, as you know, uh, quite a long time to realize you, that you had a, a, a mental illness of any sort. Um, but in college, our group of friends really kind of centered around you. I mean, you know, you were very magnetic, charismatic, and, you know, it just... Uh, well, it's because you have no self-concept. You have no uh, um, self-worth. So you have to get it all from, you know, external source. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's you have to be liked. You don't like yourself. Or you hate yourself. Right. So you must get it from some... So you, you will do what, you know, you will learn... And I guess for some reason, the, the sort of natural wittiness and humor, uh, for some reason, it's, it, it goes together with depression. It's, it's yeah. weird or more right brain type of people or emotional type of people. You know, the, it, you almost get funnier the worse off you are inside because the, or at least people like that kind of cynical, yeah. angry humor. So... Uh, so Matt, we met. It was, I guess it was seven years ago, right? Yeah, seven uh, seven years ago, working on Bay Street. Um, you know, like like I said before, it was uh, you know uh, it was a tough environment. I don't know how much of it you actually remember. Uh, versus, it, it's it's like you having a dream a year ago. You know, like you don't usually remember your dream the next day. You just have it's like. It could have been a street and a clown. I don't know. <laughs> and that's the way I remember things just right. either it's gone or I have a little bit of that. But just, the, you know, like, you know, first meeting you and because, you know, I always felt, especially when I think of like my father and, and whatever, but just just everybody. It was always because I have this overactive amygdala just lived in fear. So everyone was 10 feet tall and I was just little doing nothing, you know. So then I meet a guy that's a foot taller than me. So I got the physical part too. I'm like, all right, either he's going to kill me or maybe he's a nice guy or, you know, and he's just the sweetest guy. And we just we had the same kind of humor. And well, I guess, you know, Matt can fill, fill in a lot of the blanks, but uh, I guess uh, to jump right into it, because uh, I'm curious myself, but we, uh, I guess eventually I ended up going to uh, your apartment that you had in the city. And that's where I first met your son, who was three, I believe, right? Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was living right in right in uh, downtown, and uh, you met you met my son. Yeah, he would have been three years old. Uh, you would have met him the first time uh, at my place, and then you probably met him two or three more times. Um, just Did when I? I would bring him bring him to the office and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, it's funny, I was, I was joking with Ed earlier that I kind of felt like when you, when you had your remission and then you and I were able to meet for a coffee, um, yeah. it was like, it was like the first real conversation that I kind of feel like I had ever had with, with Doug. But it was though. Yeah. And, and then that was the, that was then the, the, the last time that you, that you met, uh, Nathan was, uh, when we were having that coffee. But there was probably three or four times when he was between kind of three and four that you would have met him 
um, the first time. Yeah, it's probably, you know, there are just certain years that, you know, a lot of it, the memory loss from all the treatments, but a lot of it probably is, is you know, the, um, uh, you know, subconscious, uh, you know, blocking things out and that, that sort of thing. But, uh, but definitely remember meeting him the first time. Um, and then, and you telling me way back then uh, that he was diagnosed with Asperger's and, you know, after doing like research, obviously, the, uh, a big key in Asperger's is early diagnosis and working on doing things like cognitive behavioral therapy and all that early on. And you have a much better prognosis for a, a very normal, sometimes extraordinary life. Um, oh, so, uh, absolutely. You're, the, the early intervention is, is a key. And, and we were, you know, we were lucky enough that we had a psychologist and a psychiatrist um, in Toronto who were very, um, engaged and knowledgeable about, and, and although we're calling it Asperger's, Asperger's as a, um, as a a disease disorder, whatever you want to call it is no longer really kind of mentioned. Everyone just calls it autism spectrum disorder now. And they removed Asperger's actually from the DSM. So it's something that, you know, they just have this broad, autism spectrum disorder and, and Nate definitely falls on the, um, on the, the high functioning side of it, but the challenge, and, and it's probably something that you've experienced yourself, Doug, is that, you know, and I know in a few of your podcasts in the past, you guys have talked about, you know, kind of, uh, the U S healthcare system versus the Canadian healthcare system. And, you know, one of the challenges, um, in, Asperger's, ASD, ADD, ADHD, whatever you want to call any of those disorders, um, is self-advocacy, especially when um, when you're dealing with someone who is, you know, say two, three, four years old. Um, and in the Canadian healthcare system, you know, as as much as I'm such a huge supporter and huge proponent of um, the system that we have in Canada it does lend itself. And I think Doug, you could probably, you know, give, give your own perspective on this, but it, it does kind of lend itself almost to a, uh, almost a factory line, right? It's get the uh, patient in, more. get the patient out. It's, it's the Henry Ford. Uh, yeah. yeah. The Henry Ford version of, of therapy. Yeah. Assembly line therapy. It, no, it, it really is. is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No question. We and, talked and, about that. And that yeah, and it was one of the things that we really struggled with when, you know, when we first started to see behavioral challenges, um, lack of socialization, um, lack of eye contact, uh, very, you know, when, when you read about um, ASD and Asperger's, you, you hear a lot about robotic speech. Um, when we started to identify all these things, we went to the doctors and the doctors right away were saying, you know, he's got ADHD here's some drugs, have a nice day. And, and that's very typical. And that's one of the big reasons why they changed the terminology because they jumped to the ADD too fast. And, you know, you, you know, absolutely. And it's, 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 you know, you've been struggling with, you know, uh, mental health issues for as long as you have. I mean, it's the one area of, you know, kind of, of health science, um, that is really still completely misunderstood and has been misunderstood from, you know, the 1940s when Asperger's was first really kind of coined um, as a disorder all the way through, 
the eighties when, um, you know, Asperger's kind of came back into light and, um, you know, clinicians started, you know, talking more about, um, Asperger's and, um, you know, all the way through where we are today, where, you know, the brain is just, it really is kind of the, the last frontier of medicine. And there's where it's the most important part though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's a real challenge. And I think that when, when, you kind of nailed it on the head in terms of, you know, early identification and then having an advocate, um, whether we're talking about the healthcare system, uh, whether we're talking about the educational system, um, I, I've kind of experienced it on, um, on both sides of the border. Uh, funny enough, uh, we were talking about, uh, my brother earlier who lives in California, he has three sons. Uh, two of his sons actually are um, ASD uh, spectrum kids as well. So, you know, well, we've, we've kind of, component. The, well, I mean, you know, what? It's funny. We, there, there has to be, um, you know, uh, so it's a mix of environmental. It's a mix of genetics. It's a mix of, right. you know, all these different things. Um, and we've seen kind of the, the educational and, and healthcare challenges that my brothers faced in, in California. Um, and then we've seen, you know, that the healthcare um, and, and educational challenges that we faced here in Canada. And the one thing that really stands out is, you know, if, if folks out there, um, are identifying these markers in their, in their children, early identification, early diagnosis, um, are both key, but the biggest key is being an advocate on behalf of your child and making sure that they're getting the right access to healthcare, the right access to edu- educational assistance in the school. Um, you know, there's stories, um, you know, my, my brother's middle child, um, when he was, when he was struggling in school, um, one of the things that he loved to do, he, he loved nature. So what the teachers were doing in the school was that when, when he started to act out, they would just put it, turn his desk around so he could look out the window at the trees and that would settle him down, which is great. Get him settled down, right? But then what would happen is, is that they were struggling to kind of reintegrate him back into the learning process. So what ended up happening was, is that he would spend his whole days just sitting and looking outside and not doing any work because it was easier for the classroom dynamic to continue to, um, you know, kind of have its normalcy, um, day in and day out. So it just ended up becoming, he would go into the class, they would turn his desk around. He would look at, he would just look outside at the trees all day long. And was he in a public school or a private school? He was in a public school. Yeah. So there's another sort of topic there is, is, you know, do you want them to be to feel a little more accepted so you you throw them in the mix or do you put them in a specialized school so there's there are two schools of thought there but but yeah your point is is definitely you know that's and i don't and yeah and i I don't know what the right answer to that is and i mean I, i don't even think that there is a right answer to it i think when um when you look at it i mean my son is in the public school system here in canada um and i wouldn't have it any other way um the the public the public school system that that we're um, that we're dealing with, 
um, here in the Toronto area. Uh, fantastic. Um, you know, Nathan has an EA, an educational assistant working with him, mm-hmm. um, every day, all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and it was a lot of steps in order to get to that point. Um, one was the diagnosis. He then had to be quote unquote certified by the mm-hmm. board of education. He then had to be certified by, um, the ministry of education, um, so that the funding for his educational assistant, um, would transfer as he transferred from school to school to school. Um, and again, it's just, it's a lot of advocacy, making sure that, um, you've got the right therapists, uh, working with them. You mentioned before CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, making sure that he's getting the right access in school, um, Mm -hmm. to the therapists. Um, Mm -hmm. a big one, a big one for my son is occupational therapy. Um, he yeah. really struggles with things like holding a pencil, um, and holding a pen and being able to print and do all these things. And, you know, um, you know, the three of us here today are talking on Skype and, you know, technology is advancing to a point where, um, you know, potentially down the road, he's not going to need to worry about, um, being able to write or print with a pen. But these are skills that we want him to have and be able to move forward in his life um, with those skills. So access to occupational therapy, access to um, psychologists and psychiatrists, being able to monitor. um, uh, You you made a joke earlier about the Charles Oakley and Spud Webb uh, thing. Mm -hmm. And and my my son, if you'll recall, Doug, uh, he's a giant. Um, He's going to be bigger than you. Yeah. And and that's, that's also something that he'll have to deal with. And, and, you know, and it's the social aspect. So, you know, for you, it's, it fits you, you know, and you've got a good confident presence about you, but, but to him, he might, you know, might be very, you know, if, if not dealt with, uh, self-conscious and, you know, more awkward. So, so absolutely. Absolutely. And you've done an incredible job with this kid. I mean, I've worked with these kids before I've, dealt with it myself and um you know people might just say that kid's a little bit goofy you know whatever they might you know people yeah. judge um you know we're in a uh, an era of just judge shows and who's telling the truth and who isn't it's very external and facelifts and whatever and <laughs> uh but i see him and he, he was just like a an incredible magical kid with unlimited potential you know it's, he, he, um, and he is he, he is his emotional. Up. Sorry, Doug, but his his emotional IQ is through the roof. Um, you know, he's a very sensitive kid. Um, his his IQ in general through the roof. He's very smart. Um, you know, he does all these things so well socially. Um, he struggles. Uh, he struggles with change as well. So change is big. Oh, it's huge. You know, is that an ADD thing? Is that an Asperger's thing uh, or ASD, whatever you want to call it? Um, it's all you know, root, so- rooted in, in anxiety and trying to to calm your anxiety. And you find these these affectations or is there ways to, to calm them? Just if you go to full blown uh, autism, we learned about that with with Raymond uh, Babbitt in Rain Man, you know, and uh, uh, yep. he had he said, who's on first? And that calmed him down. You know, and you find these, so he's got certain, like Nathan, I remember when when we were talking, he was kind of off and playing in this big, was it courtyard? 
And, yep. uh, you know, most kids would, would uh, be bouncing a ball. But he was just, you know, kind of running from one side to the other. This incredibly high-functioning child. And he was he was happy as can be. He was skipping, and, you know, like in his own world, a great world. He, he, he was, and he's, and he's happy. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny, you know, you, you kind of, you said before you said goofy and I love that. Um, you know, it, because I think for, for so long, you know, people have, have looked at, and it doesn't matter what, what mental health issue we're talking about, but people have always looked at mental health issues as something being wrong with that individual. There's something wrong right and and there isn't anything wrong and this is you know it's it's you know it was the the one thing that you know that's struck me over the course of the time that you know we've gone through all of the research and you know looking at um the history of you know autism and its diagnosis and you know the blame game there was you know there was a, a long time where Asperger's specifically um in the the kind of the 70s and 80s was actually blamed specifically on what they called at the time refrigerator mothers. And this was a, a term that they used, a very, you know, you, you had a, a very cold mom who, you know, didn't show you enough affection. And this was the cause of Asperger's. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's completely wrong. Um, and it's not completely unfounded, though. It's not unfounded. And I, and I mean, I know from, you know, our conversations in the past, you know, I think you, you've struggled a bit with your, your relationship with your mom. And I think you've got some, you know, um, uh, challenges with, with how, and, you know, the, the manner in which your mental health issues may have been addressed, um, you know, growing up, but to, to take, to take one aspect of, um, you know, uh, a, a child's development and just blame everything on the moms is a bit, it's, it, it's, well, it's completely out of whack. And over oh, the course absolutely. of, yeah. a, 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 over the course of the last, you know, 10, 15 years, obviously, and, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, there's, there's an aspect of it that's genetic. There's an aspect of it that's probably environmental. There may be causes that we don't even know about. But the one thing that we do know is that, you know, with, with kids with Asperger's and anyone on the, on that spectrum, again, and it doesn't matter whether we're talking about depression or ADHD or anything, the fact that people are now starting to see that there's nothing actually wrong with these kids is a, a step in the right direction. Um, you know, you hear the, the, the term that a lot of people are using now is, um, they, they're calling it neurodiversity and, you know, it, it really is, you know, just the acceptance of all of these different and amazing, wonderful kids, um, who have so much to give to society as a whole, be it, you know, um, and, and Ed, you work in technology, so you, mm -hmm. you'll be able to kind of, um, you know, relate to what I'm going to say here, but, you know, I've worked in technology now for, you know, most of my career and there is a huge number of people that work in technology that have Asperger's and, and oh, absolutely. Some, yes. Yeah. And I mean, think about the, 
but think about the the real amazing things that these people are are, are doing. I mean, and it it doesn't matter whether you're. Um, uh, I think it's the the president. It might be the president. The president of Nintendo apparently um, is on the spectrum, on the ASD spectrum. Well, um, uh, so if you want to talk contemporary, um, uh, the movie Ghostbusters uh, comes from Dan Aykroyd's obsession with ghosts because Dan Aykroyd has Asperger's. Hmm. And, well, there you um, go. I didn't even know that. Yes, he was diagnosed with Asperger's and Tourette's syndrome. Um, and he's a high-functioning Asperger, and that's how Ghostbusters came about. Uh, Interesting. While we're talking about it, um, the shy and awkward, um, was it the woman, uh, America's Got Talent, um, Susan Boyle. Oh, Asperger's. right, right. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. Asperger's. Uh, there's a yeah, singer, James Durbin. Have you heard of him? Yes. Asperger's, Daryl Hannah, Asperger's. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's. Now, uh, are there are it, there varying degrees of Asperger? I know we don't call it Asperger's anymore, but um, it you know could someone be have more of the symptoms, uh, the the non-social functioning and that that sort of thing than others, but still be considered the same? Yeah, there's still- there's a range there and the key thing i think people need to know and this is stuff you know like matt said you got to recognize this early Mm -hmm. uh, as i wish mine was Uh, and you have to have hands-on parents and and be aware of you know how does my my son my child act compared to other children and or how he did before is anything changing um but these are generally brilliant uh minds yeah they're just not they're just not people people they're not people right. person, you know. Uh, so, so we. It sounds like, awkward, you know? but it sounds like, um, like you were talking about neurodiversity and that we we need acceptance, which is absolutely true. Uh, does that mean that um, we need to uh, have better uh, training in schools, for example, um, so that they can fit in and um, and still like you know in the past. I remember when I was growing up, uh, anyone with any sort of um, uh, mental issues like that would actually be in a separate class. Special school, the small school bus. Right. They, yeah, yeah, like the joke says, they take the small bus. Well, because yep. they're different. Anyone, you know, people are threatened by anything different that right. happens in culture and just everything. And so, but do we immediately say they're special? Well, we use special, or we used to use special in, in more negative light. Right, yeah. But, um, but again, you know, that's why you, you uh, like Rain Man, for instance, was done very well because as the movie went on and on, uh, his brother, who's basically acted just like like my father, you know, just mm-hmm. like, I know you're in there, just stop it already, shake it right. off, and right. you're an idiot, and, you know. And eventually, he was a total dick for half the movie and then all of a sudden he sort of started to soften yeah and you know and that's what we need to do with advocacy but they're they're just different they're very unique they're wired differently yeah uh but uh i mean they, they'll lighten up your day yeah you know especially with something they hyper focus on and i'm like you know with something i'm interested in and that's how we connected with music and right it was just passion the passion that they're when Nathan was sitting there just telling me about that there's the, the comic books in X-Men and 
uh, I mean, he, I was hooked. He was just so passionate. It was, uh, you know, it was lit up. Oh, and absolutely. And I mean, he's, he's definitely has hyper, he's hyper focused in a couple of different ways. And I, and I think Ed that you're, you know, that you're spot on in, in what you're saying. I mean, I think that there needs to be, um, you know, new learnings mm-hmm. across the board and, and, and you're, you're, you're bang on as well in terms of, you know, the, the spectrum is so wide when it comes to ASD. I mean, you go from, you know, kind of the high functioning kids who, um, you know, are, are struggling in certain areas. And then, um, you go to the other end of the spectrum and, and, you know, you've got kids that, that can't speak and, you know, are, are in wheelchairs. And, um, the, the great part about some of the school boards and, and I, and I, and I'm, and I'm talking specifically here in Toronto because I don't know, um, uh, a lot about school boards outside of this area, but the great thing about the school board here, um, is that, in my son's class, it takes into account and, and, and just kind of keeping with the, the same speak, I'm going to say the neurotypical, um, mm-hmm. kids, right? So all of those, you know, you, you would put the quote, the quotes around it and say the normal kids. So the neurotypical kids are in this class. Um, Nathan's got in his class, a couple of other kids as well that have EAs with them that fall on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Doug had mentioned Tourette's earlier as well. And I think that that's one of the, that's one of the, um, you know, one of these, these areas that are kind of forgotten because, you know, you've got, you've got, it's very rare, AS- but it's an offshoot. It is. And it's all, but they're all offshoots and you've got, you know, all these kids that are struggling in different ways. And, you know, the school board here in Toronto has done an amazing job of integrating all of these kids into one class where, um, I would, I would recommend, uh, you know, anyone that, um, you know, is kind of struggling with these, you know, with, with their kids and with these things to take a look at, you know, really take a hard look at how the, um, their individual class and individual school is, is being run because the integration that I see here has done nothing but amazing things for, for my son and the ability for him to, to interact every day, uh, to have an EA there every day for him for support, um, to be able to interact, um, with kids that are, are more on that neurotypical side, as well as being able to interact with kids that are struggling in different ways from him. You know, it it teaches all of us, I think, and I think this is kind of your point, Ed was, you know, it really teaches us all the acceptance and compassion that we need in order to really kind of move you know, uh, our, our society as a whole forward. And I think that when you look at the, this whole new bucket of all these neurodiversity kids that are, you know, that are, that are going to be, you know, coming into whether it's the work world or into, um, you know, different areas of society. I mean, I think that the, the acceptance and compassion, um, that we all have is, is going to be key to, you know, everyone's growth. I mean, I can, I can tell you as a parent, um, you know, I definitely, when I first found out that, that I was having a son, um, being a sports guy, um, being a basketball player for as long as I was and, um, playing hockey growing up, I kind of had these, you know, when I found out I was having a boy, I, um, you know, I, I really, you know, I had this whole preconceived notion of he's going to be an athlete. That's my and most I'm, powerful word. 
Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I'm going to be getting up at 6 a.m. and taking them to practice and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, from from my experience, um, having the son that I have and, and Doug, no, Doug knows how great, you know, my kid is. Um, it's it's made me, you know, not only a better parent, but a better person. Um, you know, he's opened up my eyes to a lot of things that, you know, not that I was blind to, but just, you know, you get, you get going in your day and you're not thinking about things and, you know, you're, you're, you're not paying attention to the people around you and you're not paying attention to, you know, when people are struggling and it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether they're suffering from, you know, a, a mental uh, challenge or a physical challenge, you, you get so caught up in your day that you're not really paying attention to things that are going on around you and people that, you know, kind of need your help. And having my son, he's, he's, he's opened my eyes. It's, he's yeah, made yeah, me a better work, person. It's a lot of work, uh, regular, you know, and those are the formative years. You know, that's why when you say the integration is working and it's great to hear because we talked about a lot in this show, uh, those are the, those are the years where everything is, is, uh, just, you know, uh, planted seeds that are planted that are just, you know, going to stay with you forever. Uh, you know, and that's where you're forming your whole self and, uh, you know, it's, it's great. And we need to see that, that diversity and, yeah. Know. And the more, the more we see that, we, the more we see, um, kids like this being integrated into quote unquote normal schools, um, the more acceptance will will happen over time. Uh, now, I'm curious, um, Matt. You had mentioned uh, the healthcare system in Canada and the healthcare system in in the U.S. Do you think that Canada is better equipped right now to to handle um, autistic children versus the U.S. or or vice versa? Well, uh, at, at- and that's a great question. And I mean, it's, it's, I wish that we had Hillary and Donald here to, um, <laughs> you know, to kind of, to jump in on, on, on that, depending on where, you know, where, where are, where your listeners fall in the, you know, in the, the political spectrum. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I you know, I think that my brother and I have both found success in, um, in our respective healthcare systems. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that stands out above anything is, is that no matter where you sit, um, no matter whether, I mean, obviously the UK, Australia, great healthcare systems, Canada, the U S you know, great healthcare systems. But if you don't advocate on behalf of your child, your child is going to get lost in the system, mm. no matter what it doesn't yeah. matter. And even more are. importantly, you put your kids before you, you know, you, 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 the drama and the bullshit, you know, you gotta, you know, put all your attention and learning about the way he thinks and the way he works and what's going to, you know, oh, right. it's the, his development. The parents absolutely need to take charge there and, uh, learn they as much as they, yeah, they need to learn as much as they can about, um, what their child is going through and how they're thinking. And at the same time, advocate for, um, for, for better programs, for, you know, being better integrated and and not being marginalized, like might happen if they, if, if no one is going to bat for the kid. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're spot on. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And really when you look at ASD as a whole, 
you know, I always consider ASD a communication disorder. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 you know, whether you, you get into the, you know, the fundamentals of neurology and, you know, all these things, it really truly is a communication disorder. And, you know, you, you can take all the social cues and all these different things. These kids, no matter how old they get, um, you know, they struggle with communicating they struggle with being an advocate for themselves um, because of a lot of the things that Doug's talked about, right? Like, you know, you 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 feel self-conscious, you feel small. Um, you know, there's there's a a higher prevalence of you know drug abuse with kids on on ASD, alcohol abuse, all these different things because they, you know, as as they become more and more marginalized. Um, you know, what other options do they have? And I think that, you know, when you, when Doug, you talk about kind of your experience, you know, with drugs and, um, and drinking and all these different things. I mean, a lot of it is an escape trying to get away from the fact that you feel so horrible all the time. Um, and it's all the same outcome. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But the beautiful thing about this, this disease is that is that doesn't always have to be this ease. You know, if, the, the parents are educated doing the right thing and, and you're, you're doing this early. Uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, autism is a much more debilitating disorder uh, with, with far worse uh, prognosis, you know, depending on the severity of their symptoms and, and the intervention, you know, but uh, Asperger's is, is less severe and, and a much better prognosis. Most people, you know, who are raised right and, and, and get the attention they need go on and live great, you know, uh, regular lives. Yeah. And I think it goes back to Ed's point around, you know, uh, marginalization and, um, integration and compassion. And, you know, the, the more, the more that we're spending our time and energy on acceptance and building each other up, um, the more, the more that all of these kids are going to feel, um, better about themselves, better about the world that they live in, less marginalized, more accepted, you yeah. know, and I mean, listen, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm talking, you know, in a very altruistic sense here, but you know, it, it, you know, the, the reality is, is that even today in, you know, our day and age, kids can be mean. Yes. And <laughs> that, that is an absolute challenge that I think the schools are doing a good job um, to to try to combat every every way that they can, but the reality is kids are mean, and you know when you're different, and you're not neurotypical, mm-hmm. you know kids find ways to make fun of you, and you know that's really then if you move over to Doug's point, that's really where you know the the hands-on parenting really kind of comes into play because you know you need to be the rock for your kid in order to work with them through those challenging times to understand, you know, how to, how to get through that without, you know, eventually, um, turning to alternative means of, of escape, um, being able to, to deal with these things, um, you know, work through, work through your, you know, a lot of ASD kids have pretty severe anxiety. Um, so you, you've got, you've got to work through the anxiety. You've got to work through, you know, your feelings. You've got to work on communicating how you're feeling. Um, and this is, these are, you know, obviously big struggles that, 
a lot of the, you know, the neurodiverse population really struggle with. But, um, you know, with, with, with everything moving in the direction that it's moving, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I can't say enough about, you know, the, the educational system in Canada. Um, when you look at the U S there's a really interesting, um, you know, in California specifically, Ed, there's, um, the Khan Academy is something that is, is really changing the face of education specifically in California. And this is, a it's K H A N the mm -hmm. Khan Academy. And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't know it, you should look it up. Um, it's just got a huge influx of money from the, the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, um, oh, over the, the past, I don't know, two or three years. And it really oh, is uh, changing. By the way, sorry to interrupt you, but, uh, Bill Gates, yeah. Asperger's. Yes. That that's, uh, I think that's pretty, um, easy to see in him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I wanted to shift gears slightly. Um, I was reading an article. It's very relevant. Um, I was reading an article the other day that literally made me cry. Um, and it was about a, uh, a child who, um, who was on the spectrum, uh, but not, not high functioning at all. He couldn't be touched. His mother couldn't even touch him because Brandy. he would just freak out. Um, but then they tried. He was, aut he was autistic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the child was, was rarely ever touched because he would freak out. So they finally tried pet therapy. They got him a dog, a trained dog, um, for this type of thing. And they became instant friends. And there's a picture, um, that, that really got me, um, it was basically the child laying uh, with his head on top of the, the dog and, you know, reading on his tablet and the mother behind him just in tears, just crying because it was the first time that her child could touch another living creature without freaking out. And she saw that he, he and the dog were now like best friends and, and they love each other and the dog helps him and he helps the dog and it, and it gave the, the child purpose and everything. It was, it was a very moving story. And especially in light of, uh, me recently having to put down my pet, <laughs> um, which was very tough. So, um, it, it's like music therapy, you know, pet therapy is, can be incredible for many different disorders. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's an unbelievable because dogs don't judge. They're exactly. your best friend, no matter what. They're your, exactly. You know, you're, you're the gonna... next dog I get is then name Ed, <laughs> Matt, you know, uh, you know, but it's, it, it actually, and I keep going back to this. That reminds me of the scene in Rainman where, uh, it was, uh, when Charlie Babbitt told him a joke, but, and, and Raymond just leaned in and leaned his head on Tom Cruise's head. Yeah. And that was his way. And that moment. It gets me every time. I mean, yeah. that's an incredibly special moment because you don't see it often. So you don't take it for granted. Right. You know, and, and Matt has been able to feel those incredible emotions, but it's a lot of work, mm -hmm. but he put in the time and he put his kid first and, and look what you got, you know? Yeah. That's the way you have to do it and, and really just work on the strengths and, and then, uh, you know, work to improve the the rougher parts of, of yeah 
the awkwardness and so Matt, you know. Matt is uh does Nathan have a pet does he like animals or he so he he does he loves it it's funny Ed I I, I read the same article uh, and it, and it, funny funny enough I think the dog's name is Tornado yes if I'm that is correct if I'm not mistaken yeah 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 um and I I saw that I saw the same picture and I can tell you I mean it 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 was uh pretty amazing yeah so when so Nathan's had two dogs actually. Um, not service dogs. These were just family, family pets. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can, I can, you know, absolutely attest a hundred percent to the power of, um, of a dog's intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, and it's, I, it's a whole long, I could tell you a whole long story, but when, when Nathan was, um, when Nathan was a, a baby, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this story very short. Cause it's, uh, um, we had a Bernese mountain dog oh, now, love those my, Beautiful. Uh, amazing dog. And, um, you know, but the problem with this, with the Bernese is that they're, they're huge. Yeah. And you know, when, when you're a, when you're a first time parent, um, you, you're automatically anxious about anyone or anything around your baby that weighs, you know, 80 pounds right. and is just happy to, to be part of the family and want to, you know, be everywhere. So, um, you know, seeing Nathan and this dog together was, you know, before, before Nathan came home, uh, we had Bernie before. Um, I know very, very Bernie. original name, Bernie, the Bernese mountain dog, but that's cute. Um, is a Jewish but, Bernese mountain dog. <laughs> they call him Bernie. He's the top 1% of dogs. <laughs> you have to tell that the Superman. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, so before, before Nathan's born, you know, the, the, the doorbell would ring and Bernie would run at the door and, you know, just be bouncing around, just excited for whoever it was at the door. And, you know, within two days of um, Nathan being at home, you know, it didn't matter where Bernie was in the house. If, the, if Bernie heard anyone coming up the steps or the doorbell ringing, Nathan could be downstairs in the kitchen. Bernie could be upstairs. And as soon as Bernie heard anybody come into the door, he would run as fast as he could to wherever Nathan was, sit mm -hmm. down beside Nathan. Mm. You're not messing and, with this kid. No, and, and then, you know, and then, you know, he would just wait till whoever it was was either gone or in the house. And then, you know, he would go and be his happy go lucky self. And um, but his intuition, yeah. and and this isn't just Bernie, I mean, this is just dogs in general. I mean, their mm -hmm. their intuition is is beyond belief. And you know, Nathan now has a chocolate lab and his name's Charlie and great dog. Um, you know, we've been, we've been lucky <coughs> with, you know, the, the quality of the dogs that we've had over the years and, you know, the interaction. And I, I look at, you know, I remember that picture that you were talking about of, mm -hmm. you know, that, that son lying on, lying on the dog. And I mean, that used to be Nathan as a baby, just lying on Bernie and, you know, they're, they're best of friends. Yeah. Um, and you start, you're starting to see now service dogs are being prescribed, um, you know, right across the board, uh, whether, whether you're talking about anxiety disorder, 
Um, whether you're talking about ASD, you know, they're social animals, they're pack animals by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you introduce a, a new baby into the pack, um, you know, they, it, it changes the dynamic and the dog becomes, you know, um, this, uh, it's kind of a silly term, but it's, a, it's like a little mother, mother hen, right? Right. Like the, the, it's, it's the most amazing thing. And I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, you talk about looking at that picture and reading that article and it kind of mm-hmm. bringing tears to your eyes. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, Bernie or Charlie would do something with, with Nathan and you just sit there and, you know, you just be like, how is this, how does this animal yeah. know the exact right thing to do at the exact right time? And I'm a, I'm a human parent and I can't even figure out. Right. Like, exactly. Like it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Like, you know, Nathan would have. He's the Nathan whisperer. <laughs> he really is because, because Nathan would have outbursts as a lot of, you know, ASD kids do. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't calm him down. His mom couldn't calm him down. And then all of a sudden Bernie would just pop into the room and, you know, it wouldn't, you know, he would do something like, you know, bop his nose into Nathan or, <laughs> you know, throw a, throw a toy at him and, you know, and within two seconds, Nathan's laughing. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, preconceived. There's no thoughts. There's no, it's just a genuine. Yeah. Right then moment. And that's what you feed off of. Yeah. Dogs are amazing that way. Really. Um, they, they just, they seem to have a sixth sense. Um, uh, when oh, they do, and they stay away from people who don't like animals. They right. they will just they keep their distance. They, they read on, like you say, the intuition, but yeah. incredible judge of character. You know, dogs always love me because I guess I, you know, yeah. I, I was looking to adults because I couldn't relate to my peers. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah, they 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 read that so easily. It's incredible. So um, I I imagine Bernie's no longer with us. Is that correct? That that's correct. Yeah. So how did that affect Nathan when Bernie passed? Yeah. You know what? And it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting, um, dynamic. Nathan was, was obviously very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would expect, um, a, a much, I, and it, and it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's always difficult for me to explain because, um, the, the assumption is that, um, you know, with, with kids with ASD that they're, because they're so emotional kind of day in and day out that if something like this was to happen, it would just shatter them. Um, but a lot of kids with ASD are very matter of fact. And it was the most, because I'll tell you, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, Bernie got sick, um, to the point where, you know, we, we much like you, you, Ed, we had to, um, you know, we had to kind of, we had to put him down and it was yeah. a, you know, obviously a very sad day for our family. Um, but I thought Nathan was going to completely break down and you know what? I sat down with him. I told him what happened. Um, and you know, his, his, his first question was, you know, is, is Bernie okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, he's, he's okay now. He's no more pain. You know, he's, he's not hurt anymore and he's not sick. 
Um, and then he said, well, can we get another dog? And I said, yep, absolutely. A hundred percent. And he said, okay. Wow. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's the most, it's the most amazing thing. And, and it's, um, you know, there's, there's, there's times and I don't understand it. There are times when the smallest, um, you know, I can give you an example this weekend. I, I went out, um, you know, it's, it's starting to get pretty cold up here in Canada. Um, I know you wouldn't know that Ed, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting, getting pretty cold up here. Um, I, and I went outside today to, um, uh, to do some stuff with the car. And I was, I was, I was probably outside cleaning up the car for, you know, maybe, maybe 20 minutes or so. And, um, you know, and Nathan was, was reading, uh, was reading a book on the couch and, you know, I came back in 10 minutes later and he was in tears. He was just beside himself. And he, he, he said, you know, he's, he's like, I, I thought you were never coming home. Oh, and I, and I, and I just like, I had this like wave of pain, anxiety, distress, all these things. Like I thought, oh my God, like I've, I've done, you know, I've done wrong by my son. Um, you know, but he's 10 years old. He can, mm -hmm. he can stay by himself in the house for 10 minutes while I go outside to the driveway to, you know, to, you know, to, to clean up the trunk of the car. And, you know, so, so things like that'll happen and it'll, 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 it'll trigger them. Yeah. You know, but, but the, the death of the family pet, you know, it was very matter of fact, it was very, okay. You know, Bernie's better now than he was mm -hmm. check and we're going to get another dog. Okay. Check. And Amazing. he was fine. But you have to give yourself a lot of credit though, and how you handled that situation was very important. Well, you know, what's funny though, Doug, is I think that a lot of it's lucky parenting, um, in a lot of, in a lot of cases, you know, you, you try to, you know, I mean, here I am yesterday, I, I went outside for 10 minutes and made my kid cry. Um, you know, but I was able to, you know, describe the, the, you know, the, the passing of the family pet and was able to do that and navigate that pretty well. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, a lot of times, you know, when, when you're dealing with, you know, kids with ASD, um, ADHD, again, it, it doesn't matter what mental health issue that we're talking about when you're, when you're talking and parenting anyone who is neurodiverse, um, a lot of it is just, you know, your heart's in the right place, you're doing the right thing and you kind of cross your fingers and you hope you said the right thing or did the right thing. And in certain cases you did. And then in other cases, you know, you, you, you kind of, you make mistakes and you pick up mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the parenting aspect of it is, you know, is, is just as difficult at times as it is for the child because, we make mistakes, you know, um, when you're, when you're a quote, like a neurotypical parent trying to parent and teach a, a neurodiverse child, you know, you make mistakes. And, and I think the, the, the only other thing that I really wanted to get across today and in, in the course of our conversation, the, the first was just the acceptance and the compassion that we were talking about earlier. But the, the second was, you know, if any of your listeners are, are, are struggling with, you know, um, with the parenting side of, of what's going on and, um, is to just don't give up, you know, keep fighting. Um, it's a struggle. It's, um, it can be a real challenge, but, you know, don't give up, always advocate, um, and, and know that if you're approaching it in the right manner with the right, you know, with the, with the right heart and compassion, it'll eventually work out. Um, you know, that's kind of where I feel that I am, you know, I, I make mistakes every day 
with, uh, you know, with the parenting of my son and, you know, um, you know, you, you learn, you move forward, you learn, you move forward. And, and I just want everyone to know, you know, kind of out in your, your listening world, just don't give up. You know, these kids are special. Um, they're amazing. They have so much to contribute to society. Um, and really, you know, just, just keep fighting the fight. So, so when, how do you draw the line between, or is there a line or is it just a very blurred line between someone who just, uh, like someone who's neurotypical or you would think is neurotypical, but just shies away from crowds, shies away from being with people. They're just typically not a social person versus someone who can literally be diagnosed with Asperger's or, or, you know, uh, autism. And it, it's a great question, Ed. Yeah. And, um, and it is a, it is a very blurred line. I mean, how much, you know, it's, it's funny. Like I look at, you know, Nathan when he was three and four and, you know, the, the psychiatrist spent probably, um, six hours, six or eight hours in total, um, with Nathan one-on-one -on -one before they, before they really made the diagnosis. And, you know, you, you start to look at how much of, you know, when, when Nathan acts out or when Nathan, you know, doesn't want to do something or, or the like, how much of that is the Asperger's versus how much of that is just him being a 10 year old boy. Right. And, you know, a 10 year old boy just doesn't want to do stuff. And a 10 year old boy is lazy. And, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it is, it's a real struggle. And I mean, I think that when, you know, when you're looking at the diagnosis, it's not something that, that, uh, clinicians come up with, you know, um, quickly, um, like I said before, you know, you go through a lot of different things, um, whether it's ADHD, you know, all these different, um, you know, pieces before you land on kind of the mm -hmm. autism spectrum. And, um, it's not something that, you know, is just kind of thrown out, um, you know, uh, as a diagnosis, uh, right away, uh, right. You, you generally get other diagnoses first, and then you realize that, you know, your kid doesn't fit that, um, that diagnosis. And then you kind of, you go back and again, it goes back to that advocacy, right? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, there's a story right now in Canada about, you know, a, a, a child being on one of the drugs that, um, that Nathan is on now. And, you know, the, there was a, it was a, a double dose, uh, the, the pharmacy had, um, given too much of the, of the drug. And, you know, the kid was non-responsive looked, the parents described the kid as being drunk all the time. Um, you know, and, and this went on for months. Um, so, you know, you, you have to be aware of what is going on with your kid and, and, you know, managing as best you can. It's, it's a yeah. struggle though. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, uh, psychopharmaceuticals, um, when taken too much would have an, can have an adverse effect and make it worse. Right. So, uh, and even some of them are measured in blood levels too, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's really very serious. That's the risperidol, right? That was the risperidol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, as a parent, you just have to be completely aware of everything. And if you see something, some weird behavior after trying a new medicine, you need to speak up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. To, to go back to your question, Ed, you know, um, again, it's this early proper diagnosis and intervention, yeah. uh, that's, that's key with this. And, uh, 
you know, this, the spectrum and autism specifically also appears to have uh, roots very early brain development. Um, there, you know, there are obviously signs of very clear signs of autism and, and those symptoms, but that's like between two and three years of age. Um, and, but there's a lot of funding and research going on here in Canada um, that, you know, early intervention, uh, you know, with those cognitive behavioral therapies and other therapies can really improve the outcome. And yeah. uh, the awareness is, is absolutely key. We must increase that. Um, you know, so that has been big. Yeah. And I'm really happy that we're doing this show on this topic because this is something we haven't covered before. And I think it's, it's very important for, for lots of reasons, because I think there are more people on that spectrum than we realize. And well, let me tell you a little bit uh, real quick. Uh, one in 68 children are currently diagnosed with, with the spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. um, it's increased over a hundred percent in the last 10 years. Uh, it's autism is now the fastest growing and most commonly diagnosed neurological disorder in Canada. Um, it, ASD is, is caused by, like Matt said, a combination of genetic and environmental influence. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it, it occurs in all racial, ethnic, socioeconomic groups. Uh, the other yeah, key thing too, is they're all special. They're all individually different. Right. So they kind of say, you know, once you've met one person with Asperger's, you've met one person with Asperger's. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. And you, you'd agree with that, Matt, I'm sure. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. So the early intervention and, 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 you know, the awareness on, on mental health, um, because there are concerns if, if not handled properly, uh, they could easily, you know, anxiety and depression are very common with ASD, just as they are with, with ADD and what, and, and TRD with what I have. Um, the unemployment rate for, for individuals with ASD is over 80%. Wow. So parenting, parenting, uh, the, with the right support and individual, individuals with, uh, ASD can really, really thrive. It can go really right or really wrong. Yeah, and that's uh, up to not just the parents, but also everyone else to to be accepting and to realize that that there are special people out there that uh, that could actually do amazing things if given the the chance and the right environment. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, now that you said that, um, I wanted you to uh, play a clip. Um, Matt will find this interesting. Um, but this is a, a, a clip um, from uh, an author named uh, John Elder Robinson. Uh, he's an uh, autism spectrum advocate uh, and author. And he was diagnosed with Asperger's uh, at the age of 40. Uh, so wow. a decade later, he started this radical treatment. Uh, but it's designed to uh, lift his emotional intelligence. And he has a new book called Switched On. Uh, a memoir of brain change, emotional awakening, and the emergent science of neurostimulation. Interesting, okay. isn't it? Yeah. So uh, let's talk more about neurostimulation. So I just uh, sent you this link if you want to play that yeah. clip. Yeah, let me uh, cue that right up. John Elder Robertson, welcome to The Drum. Thanks for having me with you. 
Now, it's such a pleasure to have you on. I think it's, it's a, such a fascinating book. Can you explain to us, first of all, what was it like to be diagnosed with Asperger's at the age of 40? Was that a clarifying experience, a confusing experience? What did that mean? It was a shock to be told uh, that I could be the poster boy for this Asperger condition, given that I'd never even heard of it before the diagnosis. But I always knew that I was different. And before learning that I have this Asperger's form of autism, I was told I was retarded, stupid, lazy, sociopathic. So um, an official diagnosis was not only liberating, it was informative and it was the first non-judgmental explanation I'd ever received to explain why I had failed to connect with people socially. And I know it's controversial to seek therapy for Asperger's, to say that it's something that needs a cure, that it's not, it's not kind of who you are. Tell us why you decided to seek therapy for well, that. Well, first of all, I would say that uh, one really big misconception is that people with Asperger's and autism are broken or defective. We are not um, failed versions of normal people. We are part of the continuum of humanity and we're kind of complete as we are. But yes. having said that, um, many of us are significantly challenged engaging people socially, doing things like that to get jobs and form relationships. And for somebody to enter into a therapy to help them do that isn't trying to cure autism, it's trying to be the best you can be. When you go to counseling um, for your marriage or whatever, you're not trying to get rid of your marriage, you're trying to make it the best it can be. And it's like that. And to tell us what happened and whether it did make you the best you can be. I took part in an experimental study at uh, Harvard Medical School in America. Uh, interestingly, um, very similar work is being done right here in Melbourne by Dr. Peter Entecott at uh, Deaconess and Monash. Uh, what they did is uh, they fired high-powered magnetic energy into the forepart of my brain and it caused temporary changes which helped my brain to rewire itself and that produced lasting change and, and yes it was beneficial to me connecting with other people but it was a very very hard thing being exposed to the raw stream of emotion of the world suddenly at my age what was what was hard about it well before it happened i had this uh, fantasy if you will that there must be all these messages of love and kindness and sweetness and if only i could pick them up i'd be happy and, and in fact, when I was able to see emotions in other people, what I saw was uh, angst and jealousy and fear and worry. And, mm. and it wasn't just emotion directed at me, it was the emotion of the world all around me. And, and frankly, it was just devastating because I had not had any protection against that. I, it just was thrust upon me in middle age. So the limits of, of empathy or the dangers of empathy? Um, Empathy is a hard thing because autistic people often have stronger, deeper feelings than people who aren't autistic, but we don't 
necessarily pick up on the cues from other people. And, and that's what makes it hard socially. Yeah, I, I, I can really relate to so much of that. And that's why, again, it's the spectrum disorder because with my adult ADD, because it was never addressed, it's much more serious. Um, you know, I go through the very similar things and with my also getting neurostimulation, when I come out of it, you know, it's it's a lot to absorb. Yeah. So it's 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 hard, but you know, the, the, it's a long road, but you're you know, there's an end goal there. Yeah, I liked his his description uh, that they are part of the uh, continuum of humanity. They are not broken, and that's that's very well put. Very well put. They're just different, and that's cool. Because who wants, you know, there's Joe, there's Joe, there's Joe, there's Joe. I mean, that's, <laughs> exactly. You know, people just, you know, need to, to dig deeper and, and um, absorb and thrive on these incredible types of people. So neurostimulation is, is obviously really, uh, you know, I, I wanted to play for that reason. But, uh, you know, also, again, how, how much I can relate. Uh, and I, I just knew how to engage. Um, um, you know, with Nathan right away. And, and, uh, you know, if you feed on his strengths, uh, they're just incredible people to be in contact with. And so, you know, I can relate to it. I'm very, uh, passionate about the advocacy and, mm -hmm. and raising awareness and, and showing people that, you know, a, a guy like Matt, who's still finding, was still finding himself at the time. And, uh, but you know what, he, he put his kid first and, uh, and, you know, he's just turned out to be an incredible, an incredible job. Well, I think, I think the, uh, you know, it really is, you know, it, it, that, that clip was amazing. And, you know, when you look at, when you look at Nathan and, um, you know, he really, he's the, he's doing it all on his own. I mean, I, I'm doing what I can, but he's really, you know, um, he's navigating the world for these kids can be a challenge. And I think, you know, a lot of those challenges were just described very well in that clip. Um, he's doing a great job. He's a great kid. And, um, you know, like, like I said before, I mean, I learn a lot from him every day and, um, he makes me a better person. So, you know, uh, maybe one day he'll hear this podcast and, you know, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll see how much I, I, I respect him and am so proud of what, um, what he's accomplished so far in, uh, in 10 years. Oh, he knows. I mean, right when you, you two walked up together, you know, when I saw you at the Starbucks, uh, you know, he was just hooked on to you, like, you know, a, a extension of you and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, uh, and he had a real glow about him. So I can't wait to see him again. You know, really, uh, he's done a, an amazing job. Very, very admirable. Well, thanks, Doug. I appreciate that. Matt, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Um, this was a great conversation. I'm, I'm so happy we did this. Uh, and you've, you've provided a lot of insights and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of direction, I think, for people who might be struggling with this. Uh, so I, I thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Well, and I, I appreciate it, guys. I mean, thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, I'm a I'm a big, uh, a big supporter of what you guys are doing. And I think you guys are doing an amazing job with this podcast. And I've listened to, you know, every episode 
um, already. And, you know, I find, uh, I find that, uh, there's, there's a lot that you guys are giving back and, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta imagine that there's one or two people out there that you guys have already helped. So, you know, kudos to you guys, keep it up. Um, you know, I'll keep supporting you guys however I can and, um, you know, keep up the great work. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you, sir. And you do the same and, um, you say hi to your stormtrooper for me and that I like to see him ASAP. That's and that's not a, an acronym for another disease. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I hope that you're okay that we both call you Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm not your father though, but <laughs> thanks again. And really great job. You're a great example for people out there. And, and, um, and, you know, again, thanks for having, for being on and, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely, buddy. And it was, uh, it was great chatting with you guys. You too. Take care. All right. We'll talk soon, right. man. Bye. Thanks guys. So that's our show for tonight. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Please follow us on Twitter at unhinged PC and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash unhinged podcast. Also be sure to check out our website. If you haven't done so already, it's at unhingedpodcast.com. We'll see you all next week. Take care.